a deep dive on John Collins looking at four years of basketball. Is it just three-point shooting or are there other things that led to a disappointing year in Atlanta and what can Utah Jazz expect and how should we use him? It's all coming up on today's edition of Locked on Jazz. You are Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider, and this is Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Today on the show, using B-Ball Index, as we have all week long, I look at the last four years of John Collins in Atlanta. How was he used? What are his strengths? What was the variation from one year to the other? What does it tell us on how the Jazz could use him and how he can be best served to be a member of the Utah Jazz? And what do we really get? I'll dig into it more as we continue. Pretty interesting little exercise. Took a while to put together, so hopefully you'll enjoy it. I am David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. This is Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, and hopefully making it way better to be a Jazz fan each and every day. Thank you for making Locked on Jazz the first listen, joining in with us each and every day. And to the everydayers who are here, thank you for making the show drive. Uh, We are free and available on all podcasting apps as well as on YouTube. So please, five-star reviews are appreciated. Today's show is brought to you by FanDuel. FanDuel is the official sports book of Locked on. Make every moment more. At FanDuel. It's also brought to you by Bird Dogs. Go to birddogs.com slash locked on NBA to enter your promo code locked on NBA for a free white tech hat with any purchase. You don't want to take your bird dogs off, we promise you. It's true. They're great. All right. So here's what I've done I went through John Collins' four years of play at Atlanta to see using our friends over at B-Ball Index, who have great stuff, to see, like, what is really going on. And here's what I think is interesting that I'm I'm watching happen with John Collins. There's a huge amount of optimism, like huge, huge, huge amount of optimism, which I think is great. Like, I'm a, I'm a fan. Um, the, like, John Kiefer, I think it was, wrote a piece, like, of how we create the next Lowry Markin and Jump. Uh, over on Salt City Hoops. And he, he was honest about it. He, he was like, okay, you know, we're like, we're super excited. Some of the optimism is great. Some I find a little mis, like, guided in just kind of who he is. So I, I thought this would be great. If we have four years worth of data, we can see where the variances are and say, okay, these are the areas where he struggled. Can we get those to improve? And these are areas where he just hasn't been good forever or he has been good forever. And it gives us a really good variant. So I went through, um, and if you're on the YouTube, you can see the screen. It's pretty small. And I went through about 20, let's see. I can tell you exactly how many because I can do math. I went through 36 different categories on B-Ball Index and looked at them over the four-year run. So the first thing is just how he was used. So... Four years ago, when Atlanta's not very good and he averages 20 and 10, he's in the 92nd percentile of touches per game. 
So he's getting 68 touches a game. By last year, he's getting 42 touches per game. That's a 33% decrease in the amount of times he touched the ball per game. That's pretty crazy. And that's got to be frustrating. 68 to 52, and then last year to 42. The percentage of time he touched the ball in the year where he's at 21 and 10, and he, they, you know, again, they were not good. He put up big numbers. He touched, he had 11% touch time. Last year, he had 7.9% touch time. So even when he was on the floor and his usage was down, or his touches were down, his amount of percentage on the ball was just way down. So Atlanta moved away from giving him the ball. Probably got better players. Probably didn't need, didn't want to use him the same way. Frankly, got Clint Capella and changed, turned him into a power forward, as we'll see here in a second. And I think, let me just skip to that, because I think that's actually really, really important. This will be my biggest theme. And my number one takeaway is that he should play center for us, which is an, as maybe as Walker's backup. That's where he's been at best. If you look at his defensive matchups over the four years, four years ago, he played 39% of his time at the center, defending centers. Again, they, they weren't good. So there's some level where maybe that's not the answer for him as a starter. And if he comes off the bench and he backs up Walker, plays some other minutes also, then maybe this is a, he's better against backup centers is my hope. He played 35% of the time defensively against power forwards three years ago where he, they, they hit him. They didn't let him guard good. They, they What's interesting here is the six, if you're watching the screen, is that he most of the time he defended tier six offensive players. And then in defensive matchups two three years ago, it was tier six or tier four. Then in the last two years, they've actually made him defend a little bit more. In fact, he dealt with tier one or tier two defenders two years ago and tier three or tier four offensive players the year before, last year. So they in the last two years, they've actually made him defend in Atlanta at a higher rate. And we'll walk through some more of this to see. So if you look at his defensive positional versatility, he's always been kind of a little bit above average. He can float between the four and the five. So there's a strength of his. His matchup difficulty defense, this is what I was talking about, Three, four years ago was a D, 2021 was a D, and then the last two years, he kind of moves to average at a C plus. Big jump, actually, from the 28th percentile to the 58th. So in the last two years, one of the bigger things that landed is when he was on the floor, he actually defended decent players. Now, we've all talked about his three-point shooting a ton. And it is certainly the bellwether in a lot of ways to what makes John Collins successful or not, as it does with many players. Um, but I think there actually might be a little bit more to it. If you just look at John Collins, his three-point shots per game is 3.6, 3.3, 3.3, and 3.4. So, yes, it's a big deal. But he's not – it's not like he's taking 50 or 60% of his shots as threes. He's taking, on average, about two and a half of 11 shots as threes. So there's a little bit more to this in John Collins' offensive effectiveness than just three-point shooting. In fact – if you look at his two-point shooting over the last four years, it's been 64%, 62%, 59%. In, in the last year, he just took a lot fewer of them than he had prior. So, sorry, I have a bunch of, I don't know if that audio is doing what you do. It's hard to play basketball reference because they 
the greatest site ever, but they do constantly um, play ads. So if we look at John Collins' three-point shooting last year, 31 percentile D. And in the three previous years, four years ago, it's an 87 percentile as an A minus. Then it's a 85 percentile A minus. And then two years ago, it does slip to 67% along the way. And then last year, it slips even worse and becomes a, uh, becomes into the, I've just tried to make it a little bigger for you on your screen if those of you were following. It becomes, comes a D. So where and why and what's the difference? Let's dig into the three-point shooting here for a second. So last year, he did not hit a pull-up three. And frankly, over the four years, his grades on pull-up threes are in the 20 percentile F, 28 percentile D. He has a 2021 year. He spikes to a B minus, probably not on a lot of attempts. And last year, he does not make a pull-up three. So he is a exclusively catch-and-shoot three-point shooter. And that has been on a steady decline for four years in a row. 89 percentile for an A minus, 79 percentile for a B plus, 58 percentile for a C plus, and 28 percentile for a D. So the big story has been the finger. Certainly it's accelerated last year, and maybe that's the case. But there does seem to be a overall general decline in three-point shooting from one year to the next on his catch and shoot. It does not seem to have much to do with whether he's open or not. His openness rating over those years, 93rd percentile, 89th percentile, a weird 49th percentile for 21-22, and then last year, 81st percentile. And his three-point shooting quality has actually gone inverse to whether he's making them or not. In fact, the year in which he was at catch and shoot was at 89% was his 19-20, four years ago, was his lowest openness rating. At 65th percentile, then he goes to 73rd percentile, then he goes to the 82nd percentile. Last year, he's just not guarded. He starts missing enough, he's not guarded. So there's there's a finger element to this, but I think there's actually really a mental aspect to this as much as anything. When I see the catch and shoot decline go from 89 percentile to 79 percentile, the 58 percentile, the 28 percentile, certainly the finger that we've all seen pictures of and has been as as exacerbated this, but it does kind of initially look to me on this a little bit like, hmm. Um, maybe there's just a confidence drop and maybe that can come around. He's a dead eye corner three shooter is what I've heard from so many people. This is not true. And we'll dig into that when we continue here in a second on Locked on Jazz. Today's show is brought to you by my good friends over at Murdoch Hyundai, located at 4646 South State Street. I'm heading there actually just in a minute to drop off my daughter's car before we let her take it to college. And she make sure it's all safe. So I'm going to be dealing with the service department at Murdoch here in just a few minutes. And it's always a pleasure because that's the no regrets experience that you get with the Murdochs. And then you add the Hyundai car, which has the incredible SUV lineup kicked off with the Palisade all to the Kona all the way in the middle is the Tucson and the Santa Fe. The electric cars have won numerous awards. The SUV motor train car of the year is the Ionic five. The Ionic six is the car of the year. And you have the sedan, the Sonatas and the Elantras. It's all at Murdoch Hyundai. Bang for the buck. There's nothing that matches it. Go check it out. If you're going to stop by Murdoch Hyundai, please let me know first. Email me at dlock09 at gmail.com so I can take a second and make sure that I give you 
the VIP experience that you deserve as being a part of Locked on Jazz and that we get with our good friends over at Murdoch Hyundai, located at 4646 South State Street, also in Logan and in Linden. Today's show is also brought to you by Intercap Lending. That means we're talking Steve Carter. Love Steve Carter. Intercap Lending, lending offices in Utah and beyond. They can help you if you're outside of Utah as well. And Steve Carter is simply the best customer service person I can ever put you in touch with. He's Intercap Lending's made their name growing from just 15 branches four years ago to continue and just expand and expand because they get deals done. They're hyper-responsive, they embrace change, and the borrower experience is a unique one. And Steve Carter's our own personal loan officer. I've sent our COO there. I've sent our director of operations there. I've been to him twice. Every single person who's ever worked with Steve Carter through our company thinks it's amazing. He's simply the best customer service. Again, email me and let me have the direct uh, connection to get you started. Or you can call yourself if you don't want me in your personal business at 385-800-8528. That's 385-800-8528. Intercap Lending, NMLS number 190465. For more information, visit intercaplending.com. Thanks so much for making Locked on Jazz your first listen of the day. It is greatly appreciated. And thanks to all of you five-star reviews. Tomorrow or Monday, we'll come back with a program. We'll keep looking at some of these different basketball index. And also, I'm going to try to get the interview series um, started here as well. Um, so let us take a back to the screen and look at what we've been looking at here. Um, so the one thing I think is interesting, and maybe I missed this, I've heard list, I think everyone thinks that John Collins is a corner three-shooter. Really turns out he's been a butter above the break three-point shooter, which I think makes him a really interesting ability to play the five because you don't need to go hide him in the corner. In fact, his corner three shooting's not been elite. He's 52 percentile four years ago in his best year, 62 percentile B minus as a 2021, 43rd percentile C minus in 21-22, and 30 percentile as a D for a corner three shooter in 22-23. His above-the-break three-point shooting in 1920 was in the 90th percentile as an A-, minus, in the 89th percentile in 2021 as an A-, and in 21-22 was a B+. Plus. So there is a maybe, you know, it, I think of a kind of, and this is what I think he became in Atlanta, was this corner three-shooter that wasn't guarded. Um, and we talked about his openness rating and his three-point shot quality a few minutes ago. Those definitely was the case by the end of the year. He's not guarded. Like his openness rating was 88 percentile A minus last year. And the years prior, it was back there in 21-22, it wasn't. So, you know, I look at this three-point shooting and I think there's more versatility to the shooting than maybe has been talked about. I do think the finger might be less of it than has been talked about, that there's that there is a kind of general progression decline of confidence. And it'll be interesting, and it's vital that he pulls out of it. Right. Like that's the vital key to him. Um, there's some other interesting things. Like, let's look at there's some skill sets here that now we get some real consistency to who he is. The three point shooting has had wild variants. Total isolations for 75 possessions. This is also what he really does offensively. And this is probably pretty important on an offense that has a does not have a lot of shot creators. Um, we do not have a lot of guys that are going to go in there and get shots for other guys right now. And so he is isolation percentage for 75 possessions. Uh, possessions over the last four years, a B, an A minus, an A minus, and a B plus. So high level total isolations for 75 possessions. Then his effective field goal percentage on those B plus, A minus, B, B plus. So this is really an area where I think you can go give him the ball at 15 to 17 feet and see whether or not 
you get something out of him. Um, his ice, he's not a foul drawer in those circumstances. His foul drawing over the last four years is D plus, C plus, C minus, and C. This is very consistent. And his isolation turnover rate four years ago is an F, C plus, C, and C. So he's gotten a little bit better at not turning it over. But I do think when you're talking about John Collins here, there is some level. Get him isolations, things of that nature. Get him in that position. Let him just go make a play. What's interesting and what we tried to do with Lowry last year is we turned him into a little bit of a driver. This is not something John Collins has ever been. Again, this is where there's real consistency over the last four years at who he is as a player. Drives per 75 possessions, D, D+, plus, D+, plus, D+. Plus. So in the 33rd to 37th percentile, just not someone who does that. What he is really good, that's a really funny typo here for a second. Um, uh, what he is really good at is when he gets to the rim. And so how can Will Hardy take advantage of shots at the rim and getting him at the rim? So his rim shots at the rim, A plus, A minus, B, and they did drop to C plus last year. His uh, rim shot, rim creation, A plus, A plus, A minus, A minus. So he, till last year, he was a really good finisher. That one's a little, like, he's not old enough that, if he was older, that would be really disturbing because that would be a sign of fatigue, of age and lack of bounce. I don't think that's the case. Here's what he's not, though. Not a passer. Like, we're not giving him the ball in isolation and having him go make plays. His driver pass-out rate, when he does drive, which he doesn't do a great deal, D minus F, C minus D. And his field goal percentage of the rim, elite. 87, 91, 90 percent down, 94. And his rim shot making, 86 percentile, 86 percentile, 79, and then last year, 98 percentile. So the athleticism that he has, if he can get to the rim, he's been elite every single year. He's pretty good in isolation. He's not really driving it, but he's good in isolation, making some of those plays. And if he can get to the rim, his athleticism's elite, and he can create shots, and he can finish them. He just doesn't pass out very often, okay? So these are kind of, that's that's the core body of what you're, what, Will Hardy's now going to figure out how to deal with and how to use in John Collins is this. What's another one that's interesting to me on Collins that has some variation, I think Will will probably increase, is his off-ball movement attack rate. Last two years, it's been a C plus, but the two years before where he was a little better and actually more of a focal point, it's a B. So I think we'll see his off-ball movement attack rate um, jump a little bit where the, we get him the ball on the move, doing things of that nature, uh, which he wasn't doing before. But again, back to passing just doesn't exist assist rate points per 75 per 75 possessions d minus f d plus f passing creator volume f f f d minus don't expect we're not using john collins like kelly olenic we're not using john collins to to drive and create for guys we're not using john collins in the post to kick out to three-point shooters it just is not something he's done in four years what he is and this gets interesting so what we've got so far is this three-point shooting has had some variance, but really a decline over four years, okay? What we have about him is that he's a good isolation player. We have that he's a great rim finisher, okay? We have that he's a non-passer. Those That's what the data tells us about what John Collins really was for the last four years in Atlanta. What gets interesting to me is when you start digging a little bit into how to use him 
and what can be best. And this is why I'll explain in a second. I think he probably should play center for the Utah Jazz. We'll have that for you as we continue on today's edition of Locked on Jazz. Today's show is brought to you by Bird Dogs. All right, I got to give credit where credit is due. Uh, Bird Dogs sent us a pair of shorts. Suddenly realized that I was wearing them more than a bunch of my other shirt, shorts. Then all of a sudden realized that they, then they sent us another pair. Now it's the two pairs of shorts I wear the most. And I got to say, I love the fact that they kind of can bounce between if I'm going to play golf, I could actually wear my bird dogs. If I'm just working out like yesterday, I just wore my bird dogs. And we were on a trip and I needed like, okay, what's the most comfortable pair of shorts I have that I can just kind of wear around the hotel room. And it was my bird dogs. It's, they're just great. Um, go to birddogs.com slash locked on NBA, enter the promo code locked on NBA for a free white tech hat. It's really nice. Uh, that's birddogs.com slash locked on NBA or promo code locked on NBA for a white tech hat. I should have worn it today. Uh, you won't have to take off your bird dogs. We promise you it's check them out. They are, they fit great. Um, there's a lot of brands out there that have this kind of style short right now. It's very popular. Um, but these fit like they're the most comfortable ones I have. Um, way better than regular shorts that are made of stiff, restricting cotton. They're fixed the issue by inventing cloud knit fabric that looks just like khaki, but stretches and gets way slimmer. That's where I was talking about that. Like I felt like I can wear them playing golf and they use an anti-stink sweat wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all day long, which was great when I was on a trip, particularly when I was in Arkansas, it was 110 and miserable and I could wear them multiple days. It's all at birddogs.com slash locked on. NBA. Today's show is also brought to you by FanDuel. The football season is right around the corner, and FanDuel's got a special deal going on for you. Football season, here's the deal pick your Super Bowl champ, and then you get a bonus bet every time they win in the regular season. That's right. This is how football's going to work for you. You pick any team or multiple teams to win the Super Bowl. And you get bonus bets for every victory they have. You can use your bonus bets on spreads, player pops, props, over under. So visit fanduel.com slash locked on NBA to earn bonus bets with America's number one sports book. That's fanduel.com slash locked on. Plus, all sorts of great NBA props there as well for your bonus bets. But for the time right now, football season about to kick off. FanDuel is giving you a chance to win all season long. Because right now, when you bet a Super Bowl winner, you get a bonus bets for every time. They win in the regular season. Pretty great. All right. So what position should John Collins play? Does he play? Does he play the starting power forward like we've talked about a lot? Well, there's some argument here that maybe John Collins should be used differently. Because when John Collins has had his most success... His role man's for 70 is as the role man for 75 possessions. Four years ago, when he's on Atlanta, he's averaging 22 and 10. They're again, they're not very good. He's in the 98th percentile in role man possessions. Goes to 86, he still has a good year. 87. And then last year he drops to 74%. They don't use him that way. His total role man impact, his impact when he's the role man. A plus four years ago, A plus three years ago, A minus two years ago, A minus even last year. Last year, he added getting fouled, which he hadn't been before. And is so very successful as the pick and roll man. And this, when we first traded for John Collins, is exactly what I said was the rub about him. 
is that on the offensive end, he needed to play center. He's not, he hadn't been a good enough shooter for two years to play the stretch four, but he is a great role man and you want him as the center. But then defensively, he struggles at the center position to have an impact. And we'll get into that in a second on the game. And so you want him to play the small, the power forward defensively. And then he ends up playing, having to shoot and play as a spot up, not involved as well. And he just is a total tweener. Well, there's some other interesting things here that lead me to think that maybe more, even with the deficiencies, you talk about, Will Hardy talks about the superpower. What's his superpower? Well, clearly one of his superpowers is finishing at the rim that we just talked about, A's across the board. And is, he's a role man, and total impact as a role man seems to be a superpower. Those two things are his superpowers. Those get accentuated the most when he plays center. And so maybe he really ends up playing Walker Kessler backup centerman. Now, does that mean that he could still start as the power forward and then Walker's the first one out and John Collins stays in and plays an extended run there and then Walker comes back and then John Collins subs for him in his next substitution? There's plenty of ways to do it, as we talked about in our shows, The Everydayers, remember, when we kind of went through the various different um, ways in which you can um, build our lineups. Here's some interesting things about him as a post-up player. He's not bad. His post-up foul rate was an A last year, 92% It's a B, C plus C. His overall post-up impact's been all over the place. Two years ago, it was 94% tiles an A. Two years, three years ago, it was 94% tiles an A. In the last two years, it's been an F and a D minus. And I'm going to think that's because they stopped using him or they had Clint Capel on the floor. My guess is if we, this is key, I think, to John Collins' success, is what was it that created these 92% post-up impact A's? And is this because he was playing center more on a spread floor? So now all of a sudden, if you have him on the floor with Lowry, on the floor with Kelly Olenek, he's playing the center on the floor with Taylor Hendricks, on the floor with Lucas Amonich, and the floor spread, and he's in the post, can he be effective? Can you get this post-up impact A back? I think if you can get this post-up A back, a lot of these other things, the three-point shooting and the others, the confidence probably rises and comes around with it. The other thing is, as an offensive rebounder in those years, he was really good. And last year, he was non-existent in the 41st percentile. He's always been a pretty good defensive rebounder. A, B plus, A minus, A minus. Here's one thing I was surprised at on these numbers. His lack of defensive presence is pretty telling here. His on-ball perimeter defensive rankings are D minus, an F, a D minus, and a C minus. So... If the idea is he's better defensively as a four so you can switch him and you don't have to have him playing as a five where he's undersized, then he needs to be good at on-ball perimeter defense. If these numbers are accurate, that he's a D minus, an F, a D minus, and a C minus, then he's actually not. And so you might as well have him be an undersized center. He's not an impact in passing lanes. He's not an impact in deflections, D minus and Fs. His rim deterrence is not great either because he's so small. C minus six nine being small for center, C minus D B C plus. But his rims saved, in other words, using his athleticism once they get to the rim is not bad. A minus C plus B plus A minus. So what's interesting to me on John Collins from how you use him and you look at these numbers is we went to this early in the last four years. Four years ago, he spent thirty nine percent of his time defending centers. In the last three years, he spent most of his time defending power forwards. And in turn, when you end up defending power forwards, and let me see if I can switch screens here for a second and give you a different screen. Um, 
when you switch and you end up playing power forward, you also end up getting switched a lot more, which means that you end up guarding and playing against guys at different positions. So if I can explain what I'm saying here, and we'll, and we'll look at this on the screen together for those of you that are using um, YouTube and for those of you all try to match it. So this is John Collins in his most successful year in the 1920 season is the numbers we're looking at right now. And you can see he plays center third defense center 38% of the time, 79th percentile. And then he defends power forwards 28 percentile, but he doesn't guard point guard, shooting guards, or small forwards much at all in that circumstance. If you go back to last year, where suddenly he's not guard, he's not playing center as much, and he ends up playing the four, what ends up happening in almost every defense in the NBA now is you end up switching. And so he guards the power forward 38% of the time, but his small forward numbers up to 20%, his shooting guards up to 11%, his point guards up to 10%, and he's only guarding the center 21%. Well, part of the reason why I'm going to guess that when we look at his on-ball perimeter defense, it's a C minus, and his loose ball, his uh, pickpocket rates a D plus, and his passing lanes an F, and his deflections are an F, and his off-ball chasers defense is a D minus, is because of the fact that he in his screen navigation is a D, and his screener mobility defense is a C, is he ends up guarding point guards, shooting guards, and small forwards at a higher rate. I mean, you start you put that number together, he's actually guarding. Point guard, shooting guards, and small forward 38% of the time, a power forward 38% of the time, and a center 21% of the time. If you can get, if he plays center, certainly he's not as big, but you can play five out, you can play him some isolation, and you can do some things with him where maybe it's not as big a deal. If you look at when he two years ago, or maybe is this two years? What year is this? This is two years ago. He doesn't get caught nearly as much. He's a power forward 41% of the time. And he's guarding the point guard, shooting guard, and small forward about 29% of the time. Well, that led to a little bit better defensive numbers. And if we go to four years ago, when he really was Atlanta's center, and again, I do think it's important. Like, I'm not saying this is his primary thing because, frankly, Atlanta wasn't very good. But you look at him here, and it's about point guards about 33, power forwards at 28, or guards are at about 30%, 32%. Power forwards at 28 and centers at 38%. It puts him in a better position. He was 100% over at 103% of average doing that. So I think there's a real answer that John Collins could become our star, our backup center. Now, how he starts today, I'm not entirely sure, but that as the backup center, he becomes at the rim more. He can play isolation as spread floor more. He can use his rim deterrence more. His he does he's not a great passer. Maybe it's open enough he passes, but if he's not a great passer, he's not a great passer. It's less crowded and lets him make better plays. And maybe that's the better way to use him as Walker's backup. And maybe he's closing certain matchups as our center. And that's your, that's your way you're using John Collins, at least according to these numbers. And then you're not as reliant on this three-point shooting that does have this great variance and has been on a dip over the years. All right. That's my takeaway for the day. Hope you enjoyed it. Deep dive on John Collins. Have a great one. Thanks for tuning in.